Welcome to the Why Did I Get Cancer podcast. I'm Deborah Herlax Enos, a small town girl turned TV nutritionist and healthy living expert. I design health programs for the average guy or gal, including those average guys named Metallica. On September 1st, 2020, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. I asked every oncologist the same question, why did I get cancer? But none of my doctors had good answers for me. I wanted answers and that's why I started this podcast. I wanna help you to lower your cancer risk and provide self-care tips for those in the battle. I'm getting answers and I wanna share them with you. What did I take away from today's episode with Auntie Anne? That we are only as sick as our secrets. And Anne had a lot of secrets in her life. And it started with the death of her 19-month-old daughter, which then led into seven years of sexual abuse at the hands of somebody she really respected. She kept these secrets for years. Once she learned to release these secrets to people that she could really trust, people who were safe, She really started walking in freedom, and that's when her health, mental and physical, really started to turn around. I hope you enjoy today's episode with Auntie Anne. Hi, Anne. Hi, Deborah. How are you? I am great. I am great. And I am just so excited to re-meet you. We met about four years ago at Eastridge Church in Issaquah, Washington, and Mm -hmm. you were speaking and talking about your book, and I bought everything. (laughs) Well, you know what? That was an unforgettable uh, event for me. I, I just loved, of course, uh, Pastor Steve Jameson, and uh, I, I loved the church and got to meet a lot of the folks there. It was just a really uh, good event for, for me, and I'm unforgettable, as I said. I loved that, that time there. Yeah, well, and, and your story's unforgettable, and you are really out there talking now. I mean, you are really— talking about your life. And I've been so inspired listening to your podcast called Overcome. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's a new adventure for me and I'm uh, learning uh, how to do my own podcasts. And uh, what's really fascinating to me, Deb, is that, and, and what I've always known is that everyone has a story. And what's really brings me a lot of joy in the doing the podcast is really hearing uh, many of these women share their stories for sometimes some of them for the very first time. And um, the the power of the the just being real and transparent and authentic with our lives, I feel like really adds to our walk with Christ and helps us to be relatable to people that we meet. So I'm really enjoying the podcast. Yeah, good. And um, if y'all haven't had a chance to listen, Overcome, I listened to, my first one was with a a breast cancer survivor. Her name was Yoli, I think. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, and that was my first one. And as a breast cancer survivor also, I really was just hooked right away. And so we're going to talk about a lot of things today. <laughs> Glad we have plenty of time. But what I'd love to start with, just so our audience can really understand who you are, can you tell us through how your life circumstances, you were able to start the most successful pretzel franchise in history with no capital? no business plan, and no formal education past eighth grade. Well, um, Deb, it's, you know, we all have our, have our lives and uh, to live to, and, and as I, I feel like as believers, 
we, we have the privilege of understanding that we were put here on planet Earth for a very unique purpose that is unique to me, to you, to each one of us. And so my growing up in the Amish community, my mom and dad were old order Amish, and they taught us as kids to love God and to do God's will is, is what we were told back in the, uh, we were taught, you know, do God's will and uh, to fear God and keep his commandments. And that is so, so, so deeply ingrained in me. And I set out, Deb, to really be mm-hmm. and do what I knew that my parents taught me. And what I believed was the right thing. And so I feel like they gave me a very, very solid foundation on which to live my life. And But as a kid and right. as a teenager and then marrying as a very young girl, I was 19 when I got married. And uh, But being raised in that, that Amish culture in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. And then my mom and dad went to what we call the Black Car Amish. And that was, again, we're in the same community. We looked very Amish, but the big difference was that we had a black car. Yes, hello. We were able to have a car, but it had to be black. And um, my dad was able to farm with tractors instead of horses, and we had electricity. So we were moving on up, let me tell you. Uh, (laughs) I was a little large. So that was really my upbringing. And I have no regrets about being raised in a, I want to say was a pretty legalistic, I mean, extremely, I think, legalistic. But what my mom and dad were able to convey to me that was, was greater than the legalism was loving God, was loving each other, and was working really hard. And it was all about making your life count. And... That was really the foundation. You know, what I remember as a kid, what I should say, what I, what I most treasure as a, as a child, I could, I get emotional about this because I feel like it's a lost art today. We don't sit around the table. What I remember growing up as a kid, there was eight of us kids and plus mom and dad. So we sat around the table every day of my entire life, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, no exceptions. Like nobody opted out on, I'm going to go watch TV. Obviously, we didn't have TV. Nobody opted out and said, oh, I don't feel like coming to the table because I'm sick, or I just don't feel like it because whatever. The discipline of my life is a treasure to my life today. The most memorable moments for me were sitting around the table every day. It, it felt as a kid, it was my safe place. It was my place where all of eight of us were noticed. Of course. Even though when there's eight kids, you're fighting for a little bit more food and you're wanting to fighting for your voice and you're, you know, very, right, getting a little more attention. Absolutely. Maybe. Right. It was always very, very, very interactive. But that, that foundation really set me up, Deb, for a life of overcoming is my podcast, Overcome uh, with Auntie Anne is the name of my podcast. But that discipline in my life really set me up to when I got to the point in my life, when there were obstacles, when there were struggles, when there was trauma, when there was the death of our child, when there was the abuse of my pastor after the death of our child, when there was the estrangement between my sisters and I because of the abuse by my pastor, when when the church fell apart that we had built, it split right down the middle. When the storms came, Mm -hmm. I want to say that I stood— But I fell. I didn't stand firm, but I fell. And I went to this place of, I want to call it my dark years, 
And it was the wilderness experience for me where Satan took me into the dark world. And I say he took me there. Of course, I don't, I have to say that my choice took me there as well. But I was so distraught and, and so devastated over the death of our daughter. And I became so confused. I didn't understand why back in the day, I would say, why did God let this happen to me? But what I know now <laughs> is that life is hard and God is good. And I'm not confused about that anymore. But back in the day, uh, when I found myself in the dark world, I really believed there was no way out. I truly believed it was easier to take my life than it was to be able to tell my husband what I was going through in my life with my abuse. So I was living two wow. different lives. Wow. And living two different lives, that level of trauma turns into, I know you had battles with depression and, of course, despair and just this darkness. And you talk a lot about confession. And I think for some, confession can be a scary word. And I actually looked it up yesterday in in anticipation of this podcast. And one dictionary said confession is just telling your story. Yes, ma'am, it is. And that's what you are doing now. You're telling your story. Well, I got to the point where it was either live or die. And I didn't understand at that time the the concept that most of us have read about in James 5.16, that if and it simply says that if we confess our faults, our sins, our struggles, our deepest, um, deepest, deepest darkest secrets, whatever you want to put in that little box there, whatever, whatever we need to confess, James said, if we confess our faults one to another, this is one to another, then and pray for each other, and then we'll be healed. Promise, a promise from God. It's a promise. It's a principle with a promise. And what... I didn't know back in the day was that this concept, which I now call it, Deborah, I call it a new view of confession because confession does sound harsh. It sounds like, oh, okay, I have to tell you what I did wrong. You know, it, it sounds right, very subjective. Right. And very, very legal. You know, it's got, it feels like it has legal ramifications Ab- of a confession. Absolutely. Right. I mean, we go to the courthouse. Right. We stand before right. a judge. <laughs> Doesn't uh, seem know, like a very loving exactly. place <laughs> to be confessing right. some darkness that's in our lives. It's very scary. Let me tell you, I, I understand. It is. It was very scary for me. But, but as I've learned mm-hmm. through the years, what James, I believe, is talking about is a new view of confession. It's, I call it, I've discovered through my own life's experience, it's the highest form of communication because it's what we don't want to talk about, but Mm. it's what we must or should. I don't like to use the word should. What we need to talk about, why? I mean, doesn't God know everything that's going on in our lives? Of course he does. But what, what I know is that as a believer, as a Christian all of my life, I knew that when I talked to God and I, uh, I confessed my sins to him, I knew every single time, Deb, that he would forgive me. That, that's a promise from the word of God, right? So the, the James 5, 16 confession to me is about relational healing. You know, I could talk to God all I wanted for seven years. I wept my way through those years of darkness. And every single day, I asked him to please forgive me. I didn't know how I got to where I got to. I didn't understand 
why I couldn't leave this abuse. I didn't know how to get out. And so every single day, I wept my way to the foot of the cross. And I know God forgave me every single time I asked him to because he said he would. But James 5.16, you know, what happened the day that I finally had the courage to go tell my husband, God just said, get up off your knees and go tell Jonas about your life. Well, do, do you think I wanted to do that? <laughs> no. 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 And I, I, it had to take such a level of courage. Absolutely. To do that. I didn't want to do that because I was so filled with guilt and shame and pain that I, it didn't make any sense for me to tell him. I mean, after all, I prayed and asked God to deliver me. And now he's telling me right. to go tell Jonas. So I did. Again, I weighed, mm-hmm. at that time, I weighed 92, 90 pounds. I had not, not, I hated who I'd become. There was nothing oh. left inside of me to give. I was a mother of two daughters. I was, I had abandoned them emotionally. Oh. We all stayed together in the same house. But for seven years, I abandoned my daughters emotionally because of the mm-hmm. crazy life that was, impo- it, it's almost impossible to live, but I did. And when I got up off my knees that morning and I, I wept my way to my husband's little body shop, and all the way I was telling God, I can't do this. I don't want to hurt him. But little did I know that it was that single two-sentence confession is all like it's all I had inside of me. And the look in wow. Jonas's face when I told him, when I made that little small confession, the look in his face told me, I, I, I can't say anymore. I don't know what he's going to do. He didn't respond to me because I didn't give him time to respond. I turned around and I walked away. I had, I was so sure I did the wrong thing because I felt like he would probably Mm -hmm. divorce me or the look in his face I was not familiar with. So I didn't know if he would ever come home that day. Mm. And interestingly enough, I mean, he, he might, I don't know what he was feeling, but he might've actually been feeling some relief because he had, he had lost you for seven years. That's right. During this, this seven years of sexual abuse by your pastor. And so maybe there was some relief inside of him of, okay, he's, he's known something was wrong for seven years. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and abuse, there's, you lose yourself, number one, your voice is silenced. You lose yourself. You lose your, those, the people that you love the most, and you lose the ability to believe that there is a way out. That, that, that's just a normal circumstance, it's, it's where we find ourselves as we are victimized um, by perpetrators. And for me, it was sexual abuse. It was manipulation. It was all kinds of abuse. There are more forms. There are many kinds of abuse. But at the end of it, your voice is stolen. You lose yourself. You can lose your spouse. And you feel completely victimized and traumatized to the point where you believe there is no way out. Right. And there's no hope. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Right. And when there's no right. hope, how do you, how do you move to that next place? And I've heard it said that we're only as sick as our secrets. And if we think about illness and secrets, what was what was happening to your your mind, your heart, and your body while you had to keep the secret for seven years? 
So let me be clear. I take responsibility for this secret that I kept. So I want all of us to understand that that our choices determine our future. Well, now, I didn't know that then. You know, I'm just saying that to your audience, you know. So just know that our choices that we make determine our future. Now, what I know today, Deb, is that we serve a great, big, wonderful God. He is, in fact, my Redeemer. You're in the middle of it. Yeah, right. You know, yeah. and He redeems all things. But the the choices that I've made, there are scars that I will probably carry with me to my grave. And, you know, I... I'm okay with that because I have peace now within. I have peace with God. I have peace with my husband and peace with those I love the most, my two daughters. And that to me is full redemption. <laughs> that, that's redemption in this Absolutely. life. So you asked the question, how did the secrets impact me? So those three things in particular. And so it culminates into depression. Like there, and depression is, is it's, it's like you're, mm-hmm. you're living, but you're not alive. Or I should say you're alive. Maybe I should say you're alive, surely, but you're not living. And you know what I know about that today is that that's exactly where Satan wants us to be. Yes. Where we're alive, but we're not living. We're not living the life that God intended for us. We're not living out our purpose for which he created us for. Mm -hmm. And what I know today, back in the day when my mom and dad and I went to church and they taught me in the ways of God, it was Mm -hmm. all about finding the will of God in my life. And what 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 I can relate to today and what I've learned through the years is that we were created, every single one of us, with one purpose in mind. So this is what we have in common, you and I and every believer around the world. The purpose is for us to carry God's presence in our mm-hmm. bodies. Absolutely. Now, that's an awesome, like, wow. Mm-hmm. I love that scenario. I love that truth that, that he created us. That mm-hmm. really yes. makes you think about why am I on the planet? And why am I planted in this family or planted in this community? Exactly. But we're here to carry his presence. And so let me tell you, when you're living the life of secrets, your secrets, um, God lives in the light. He is light. He is light. Secrets are dark. And what I know is when I carried, while I was carrying my secrets, although I know that I was connected to God, I was more and more and more and more. As time went on, there was less and less and less of God's presence in my body. I was being, my life, my light was being snuffed out to where that there was a time in my life when I could not pray audibly. Every time I started to pray audibly, I felt something come up from within me to where I honestly felt like I would choke Really? To death. Really? Secrets will kill you over time, and it will completely disconnect you from God. But, but, the, but the truth is, God is still with you. You just don't feel the connection because you're so full of these secrets and this pain and this darkness. Right. 
And don't you don't you think that once you have one secret, they just start stacking oh. up. You have more and more. <laughs> exactly. Right. Exactly. And so so the beauty then, going back to confession, of you, you just can't know because it's really hard for me to describe the power of that one single confession that I made to Jonas, which seemed so wrong at the time. It didn't feel like the right thing to do, but I knew that I knew what God was telling me. And that one secret left me after Jonas and I talked that evening. And as time went on, weeks, days and weeks and months, I began to empty out all of my secrets. And I began to clean my house on the inside, God's dwelling place. And then as time went on, he was able to fill me once again with his presence. So that is the power of the James 5.16 model of confession. And over time, you're clean again. You're cleansed as you continue to tell your story, as you continue to talk about, communicate the things that you have stuffed deep inside of your soul. And today, I, I, I just, I can't tell you how just talking about this, it's really, it's redemptive, but in my opinion, it's miraculous that I could live in such darkness and today live in the light. You know, there's a verse in the Bible that I love, and it says that if we walk in the light as he is in the light. Now, John was talking about Jesus. If we walk in the light as Jesus is in the light, then we have fellowship then you and I, Deborah, have fellowship one with another. And then the blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, cleanses us from all sin. It's all about bringing our deeds into the light, walking with him and each other. And as we do that, we are cleansed on a regular basis. It's the life of freedom. One of my favorite supplement companies is Seeking Health. This company was created by Dr. Ben Lynch, author of Dirty Jeans. I'm a huge fan. And one of the products that I love so much that he's created is this liquid vitamin D. My body has a hard time breaking down supplements. So I love the flexibility of having liquid vitamins. And I started this product a few weeks ago. I went to get my vitamin D tested and it had gone up significantly. So I was thrilled with the results. And use the code ENOSFEB22 for 10% off your order. I love wearing my wireless headphones. They're so convenient, but I am concerned about wearing them for too long. There are native EMFs, electromagnetic frequencies, that come from the sun or the earth, and then there are non-native, which come from cell phones, earbuds, electric blankets, just to name a few. I don't know about you, but I don't want high levels of EMFs around my body and certainly not my head. A few months ago, I saw an ad pop up on social media about a product called WaveBlock. This company created an anti-radiation sticker that deflects the majority of EMFs that are emitted by my earbuds. I was so intrigued that I actually called the owner of the company. We had a great conversation and I asked him some tough questions about his product. 
I walked away won over by his enthusiasm and his story of why. When I asked him why he created this product, his answer was to protect his kids that were surrounded by EMFs all day long. I feel like I can now wear my WaveBlock protected earbuds all day since 95% of the EMFs are deflected. In today's show notes, I have a coupon for 20% off of WaveBlock. Use the code ENOS20 when you purchase your WaveBlock products. Thank you for joining me today on the Why Did I Get Cancer podcast. I've got my shopping guide for all of my cancer self-care items in the show notes, along with information about today's guest and our show sponsors. And don't forget to subscribe to my podcast so you never miss an episode. Keep in mind, I'm not a doctor. I'm just a gal that got diagnosed with cancer and wanted answers. If you need medical advice, please be sure to consult with a medical professional. And thank you for listening. 